0: Welcome to the fourth anniversary edition of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pedernostro, and in honor of this momentous occasion, I have cobbled together a, a brief montage of the most exciting moments in Sheffield Wednesday history over the last four years. I will play it now. And we're done. But we will continue on with this podcast. And while there might not much to be celebrate uh, on the pitch, it's worth celebrating this milestone episode in style. And I have the uh Iinger celebrator. Longtime listeners of this show, and I assume that's all that's left at this point after four years of Wednesday football, <laughs> know that around this time of year when it starts getting dark around 630, I like my dark German beers. And this is a Doppelbach. Uh, I am usually partial to the spot in Optimator, which I've had many times over the years on this show. Uh, I was grilling some sausages uh, a few weeks ago for a little mini-Octoberfest with some friends and family. My father brought over this this Doppelbach, I have to tell you, if it's not better than the Optimator, it's a a strong competitor. It's very nice. It's very malty. Uh, It's a little bit... uh, It's only a 6.7. I think Optimator is like 8.0. And when it's your fourth drink of the evening, because it's the fourth anniversary episode, you've got to do it in style, right? Uh, The fact that it's only a 6.7 is probably promising for the rest of the show. Also promising for the rest of the show is an appearance from Patty A. Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Uh, Gentlemen, lovely to see
1: you on this wonderful occasion. Happy fourth birthday. Uh, I... uh have a the usual I, i'm in my old-fashioned ways i have an old-fashioned uh but i have got a new bourbon to try which i know is like new it's new to me not new to the world uh, I'm, i've got a micta uh, for the first time which I is a regular mictor's bourbon yeah regular mictor's Michter no yeah. nothing yeah. else and i have to say it makes one of the best old fashions i've ever had just a fantastic little kind of like so front facing kind of like taxi straight away
0: I've had various Michter products over the years. I don't remember offhand if I've had the uh, the bourbon. I'm, I probably have. Uh, I know it's a. It can be a little bit of a divisive for. The Michter is Ten, if you can find it under two hundred dollars, you probably can't nowadays. But you could ten years ago. Uh, is one of the one of the better high end bourbons you can get. I would not make it old fashioned with it.
1: No, the ten-year one definitely not. The regular one, which is like forty-five bucks in my local, uh, is makes spectacular old-fashioned. I, I, was, I was very surprised. I've obviously tried a lot of bourbons recently. Uh, uh, this is, I think, uh, that we one of the best ones for the for the price point, at least.
0: Always spectacular. Rarely drinking bourbon in New England. It's Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, let me just say, I love bourbon, but it brings my Irish out, and it's not pretty. I try to. Uh save it for special occasions this show is usually Um, so
0: very reserved you you you're listening to like the guardian weekly basically so
2: so right so you don't want to see me when i'm getting my bourbon on
0: yes it's it's
2: a scene uh maybe you will in new york uh this april we'll see how that goes um i'm back on my uh south dennis style table beer uh more local cape cod beer from devil's purse um i've had it before uh i was looking for something recently and the four pack leaped out at me it's a real easy sipping uh it's a kind of hoppy pale ale i don't generally like cup with lime juice so it's got a nice little nice little kick at the end that takes away some of the overt hoppiness. so it, it fits in well for me
0: well we've got a well organized and planned out show for you this week as we has become our signature feature over the last four years we review the bolton game We have an interview with Chris from New Orleans, another New Orleans Owl. And we, not only do we have two matches this week, we actually have two match previews. We remembered, we noticed. (laughs) You will get previews for both the Sheffield Wednesday matches Uh, you will watch between now and the next episode of the Owls Americast. We will start with the Bolton preview. And uh, we'll start with Patty. your thumbs up.
1: Thumbs up. All right. I'm going to go with... Uh a rare one for this podcast. Mm. I'm gonna give my thumbs up to the midfield maestro himself, captain of Sheffield Wednesday. Barry Bannon. Uh I think it's one of his best games this season. Um and it sh- I am my 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 heckles are up on the anti-Bannon kind of brigade that's appearing. I don't like it. I think we need to show him some respect. I think we need to uh get on board with the fact that he's our captain that is gonna take us up this year and i think he showed in this game why he's important Sheffield wednesday i think he also showed (laughs) (laughs) i think he also showed why he can be very frustrating as well and I, i understand that part of it but uh there's no one in this league that can do the the passes and and the uh assists and really kind of hold the ball like Brian Bannon can. He's the extra quality that no one else's league's got. You can get midfields in this league ten a penny that can move, it ball, move the ball fast, uh, make accurate passes and transition from defence.
0: Can we field. get some of those? <laughs> can <we> Which arguably
1: <laughs> we need to. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that. You can see there was a, there was a, there was a little nod to what I think these negatives are. Uh, but genuinely, I thought Bannon had a good game. I thought he had good corners with some good corners this, this, this game.
2: Some
1: uh, good corners. He, he put it into the mixer. Um, didn't really get much out of it, but I thought he had a good game this game. Uh, so and I, I, so I don't. Disagree. So we, we, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Let me finish the point. Go ahead, finish. We uh, <laughs> we finished out the game um, without conceding in the 90th minute. And quite often we attribute as so losing a game like a to bad leadership and poor leadership, right? Uh, so I want to recognize they the k- fact that- They killed that it off well, they did. Yeah, I want to recognize the fact that maybe it was good leadership and uh, organization <laughs> that uh, brought the team together to not concede in the last 10 minutes like we always do.
0: So I actually agree with you. Bannon had a very good game. Here's the problem with that. In, in so much as it is a problem with that. Bannon had a good game because he put what six great passes in. Took like he can create scoring opportunities out of nothing, which oh, you know most midfielders can't in this league. That is not a tactic, <laughs> and we like we don't actually have anything around that. Right, that's the problem. But that has that's like that has to happen or they're not when when he's playing but he's not doing that and look to be fair more often than not he's able to create those those passes out of nothing or those chances out of nothing or those you know crosses to the back post out of you know what you know the half chance equivalent for a cross but it's not it's not cohesive it's not something that can be repeated week in and week out like that's just not over 46 games going to be by itself something that gets them up and we saw that in the championship over the last few years
2: yeah i think it you know there's obviously a lot of talk going around people worrying about you know darren morris tactics and doing a 433 and playing out from the back there's a lot of talk about well we can't do it and you can't do it in this league and you know i'm kind of in the camp of waiting to see but I I actually agree with both of your points here, Patty. I do think that was one of Bannon's better games. He he easily had the most touches and the most passes for a team that didn't nearly have the ball as much as the opponent. And what Baz really is so good at is in different spots, in different situations, sometimes it's the back post, sometimes it's crossing, switching the field up, sometimes it's down the line. He can put these perfectly weighted passes in. just floats them to the exact spot. Where they need to be and and there's not a lot of guys in this league that can do it it's it's spectacular and and he was able to do that uh more times this past game than we've seen from him recently so i do i do think he had a good game and appreciate it but i also agree with jeff in that if we are going to be a team where everybody's sticking to the tactics of playing that quick moving short passes 4-3-3 moving the ball on the ground up the field then it might not necessarily be uh the best fit for that, and and so we are bumping into a bit of a, bumping into a bit of a conundrum. Can can Baz be a positive part of uh, what Darren Moore wants to do? Whether or not you agree with one or the other, you know, th- I think that is a question going forward.
0: Right, that's what it comes down to. Right, it's Bannon had one of his better games this year, and they beat Bolton one nothing at home. Okay.
1: No, and it's still an individual performance, right? Yeah, so right, yeah. what I didn't mention is that we still need to figure out centre midfield, And that's totally correct. Uh, he's not going to be on his own uh, uh, a guy that can get promoted. We, st- we, st- we still look like a bunch of individuals. Uh, I called it out uh, several times on my notes. We still look like we haven't got a plan. We still look like it's people trying to do things on their own. Um, it's Everyone's got their own strengths, and they're all trying to do it on their own and there's no real uh gel in that midfield um, um matching the defense to the midfield to the attack like we've talked about over and over again in this podcast uh, and that was on display throughout this game uh where i, I, I think so go oh go ahead no go ahead no i just think the only thing that i really cut through was bannon's um hollywood balls and bannon's kind of creativity um but we can't, like I say, we, we can't rely on that. That's not a tactic. That is an
2: individual performance. Um, yeah. The, I guess the closest thing to a thumbs down that I, I sort of have.
0: We haven't uh, even gotten your thumbs up yet. exactly
2: with that, though, with that midfield.
0: Uh. are well, we a loose format down today, Jeff. We're well <laughs>
2: Yeah. We're, we're, we're fluidly uh, moving from point to point here. Yeah. Um, in my notes says, Patty's little fucking triangle's not working. And... Um, <laughs> You know, that is that midfield, that central midfield, Patty. You're 100% right. This is, we have to figure this out. And I'm going to put this a little bit on Darren Moore in the sense that the fact we have a different central midfield three, or in this case, yesterday was really a, a midfield two. I mean, the or in the Bolt game, is a midfield two. You could argue that, that Patterson was coming back to, to be the third, but realistically, it was we played a 3-4-3 three, three with two central midfielders and I just didn't think that was working. we have not found the right combination of three central midfielders because we changed every single fucking game and even when we don't, we're changing who the uh, you know nominal wingers are who, again, they're so directly involved in more system with coming inside and switching. They're almost like midfielders as well and the fact that we changed this personnel so much, I think we're not able to get we're not, we haven't figured out who exactly fits with who. And, you know, I mean, let's be honest. We're going to have a game this weekend. Do you think we're going to have the same central midfield? I don't. I think it's going to be something different, and it's going to be back to how do these guys play together. It's one thing to do it for four days on the training pitch. It's another thing to be able to continually do it under pressure in a game. I, I was a little disappointed with, with that. Bolton totally owned the midfield on us uh, for most of the game, and – and the numbers back it up. Um,
0: yeah. You know. I will try to keep us somewhat on task by giving my thumbs up next. And that's going <laughs> to be the, uh, the front line. I thought, you know, the, I mean, the goal itself was created by three strikers interplaying, you know, winning second balls, flick ons. And again, yes, getting it out to hunt who put in a, a very nice cross for, you know, Gregory and like Gregory, <laughs> look, that's, it it looks like an easy finish, but if you look at it, he actually has to position himself well, read where the cross is coming, and split two defenders to get to the spot. And he's not a he's not a pacey at this point in his career, so that's just pure like poacher's instinct to get to that spot. And eventually.
2: then even even great call, even to open up his hips a little mm-hmm. bit because that ball handcuffed him a little bit and was really inside. So for him to be able to open up and and put some some steam on it. When when he got it coming in from that side, that's that's a tough play. That was a that was a, a great goal by Gregory. Yeah,
1: I think it was a good th- goal. It was a good team goal, like you said. It yeah. was it yeah. was first touches all around, right? So it came from uh, uh, Pato on the head, Araujo knocked it on, and then Hunt first time it straight into the box, and Gregory's there. It was a very even though it was a tapping essentially, yeah. it was a really well worked goal. And it was one of the first <laughs> one of the only times <laughs> the entire match where we looked like we might be playing for each other.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But they have a front line that is capable of those kind of, you know, you know Patterson dropping a little bit deeper and, and winning a header, you know, Berhino's sense to like flick it directly into, the, knowing where Hunt's going to make his run, and then and then Hunt just picking very calmly picking a, a low ball into the box and giving his, you know, veteran striker an opportunity to run onto it, like so, like that's how they should be playing at this level. With this, it, it, so that's the thing right if you d- if you haven't sorted out the midfield just play it over the midfield
1: <laughs> direct direct football yeah it doesn't have to be long balls
0: just no be direct be yeah. quick uh, and again and this you'll is notice- like this is like the application argument right if you're putting yourself about like y- you have to win more second balls than the opponent does you're not going to win all of them because they're not all going to be perfect like like this that was about as well a worked goal as you will see from that position with the ball like barely touching the ground like everything had to go right but if you put yourself about you can win enough of those to create enough chances that over the long haul you're gonna win games in this league will it be pretty exciting one touch football no but we've seen Wednesday try to play that and it involves the keeper just like dropping the ball at the opposing striker's feet in the 90th minute. So, maybe uh, maybe try something else.
2: I think our front line uh, pressures pretty well mm. on the whole. I, I think I think they we've seen whether they're pressuring with two or or with three. I, I think they've done a nice job the last few weeks of really being uh, aggressive and, and forcing mistakes out of the opponent. Um, I think adding Windass to that equation. I mentioned that last week kind of off the cuff. But I, I do think Addy Windass is going to give us that a little more of that dimension, that that aggressive, strong presence who's going to be able to make things happen and, and force the other team into mistakes. Um, the, the biggest question is can we, as Patty alluded to, and I think we all saw this past game, the front line got too far ahead of everybody else. Um, and we've had that issue, the classic donut formation from years past, but you know, we, we do see these large gaps and, and struggle getting the ball from midfield to that front group. If we can figure that out, um, you know, the way that front line is playing with their pressure and their aggressiveness um, and some of them showing the ability to finish, whether it's Gregory or Pato, who's had a couple nice, uh, nice goals recently, get Bergino on track. That's when we can really start winning some games.
1: It wasn't so much to donuts this game either it was just a gaping hole uh well, yeah, yeah t- uh,
0: but uh, like where, where you donuts, patty, are you getting donuts patty
2: No, i mean it's literally like a gap there was the defense and they have the different attack. donuts in yeah no 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 that's you're right i'm, I'm teasing but you're 100 right the front three were just way ahead yeah. of everybody the, the midfield was almost flat and we're used to seeing the the, the fullbacks or Wing backs or midfield wide midfielders whoever it is get way further up the pitch they were too far back and flat and that we we, we gave up we gave them the ball once they were past that front line
1: yeah there's an issue in the first few minutes of the second half where um the defense had it passed it to Bannon Bannon tries to do his usual turn gets caught in possession gets tackled uh at that point he could have passed it uh to someone in field if there was anyone around uh, there was no one around. there was four people in attack at that point. I'm looking at the kind of like there's four people in attack. This is from a, um, a, a defensive situation where we've got the ball. Four people in attack, five people defending, and maybe there's a right wing somewhere floating around that he couldn't see. But he's looking around, he hasn't got anyone to go to. He has to his usual turns, try and get rid of him and, and run, up, run up the attack again. He lost the ball. And this happens all the time. Uh, yeah, we're so slow getting out this playing out the back is slowing us down so much. Uh, and it, it terrifies me when we give it to anyone in front of not even just in, in defense, anyone in front of that defense. So maybe it's Hutch, maybe it's Bannon this time, maybe it's Wing. We're gonna get pressured by people that know we're doing this, and we're gonna get caught out over and, and over, they and over again. They're back
0: to the play too, in a lot of cases, and it's just not. I don't know what the... What the. Intention. They need spot. They
1: need, yeah. they need mid, midfield there. If you're going to play up on the back, you need levels of support every step of the stage of the field.
0: You need movement off the ball, five if people they're not the great defense.
1: at either. Yeah. You can't fight by the president. You can't have four people in front. That's not a that's not formation.
0: <laughs> Justin, do you have a thumbs up, just out of curiosity?
2: Um. Yeah, you know, honestly, in, in the end, uh, just getting the win. Like, Hmm. this is two in a row and granted they were both you know one was a late scrappy winner and this was in a pizza cup um, and this is a game that frankly you know we didn't deserve three points I don't think but yeah. but that's this league like we, there are games where you deserve three points and you don't win them and you know we probably deserved a draw against Oxford and, and lost late like it, it, to get this done and to be where we are which is two points off the playoffs despite having not had the kind of start that we're looking for. Like we're sitting in a pretty good position and and whether or not people want to be as patient as we need to be, we need to be patient and recognize that this is still a group of players coming together and and a new manager working with them. We've, we've got to give this time. It's a, I said this at the very beginning of the year, it's a 46 game season. You know, we're what, 10 in? 12 in maybe, uh, there's a lot of time to go. Uh, we could be mid-table at Christmas and either get relegated or win the league. That's, uh, you know, to, to be sitting where we are with, and we'll talk about it on the preview, but should be a couple winnable games, even though they're on the road. Uh, I'm happy to come out of that game with that win and to see, you know, what we got ahead of us right now. That's
0: mm-hmm. a thumbs up for me. As long as we're not third at Christmas, because we know how that ends. (laughs) Uh, I don't... My thumbs down is just... I want to see them at some point impose their will on these games a little bit more. Like Struggling to control and maintain possession against Bolton at home when you're not a team that is like, look, if this was the Gary Monk 3-5-2 set up to play on the break kind of squad, I mean, you shouldn't do that gets at home against Bolton in League One anyway. But if they were actually built to play that way, that would be one thing. They're not. Good point. This is, this is built to be a play-out-of-the-back possession-based team. They're getting like 38% possession in a lot of these games. And that's just... I want... To, I, I don't know what... And yeah, the midfield is certainly a large part of it. But I just want to see them be significantly better than another team in this league for 90 minutes. And there's another game we haven't seen that. So that's where I'm at.
2: I was, I gotta, I gotta give Bolton some credit. Um They just came up from league Two. Like you would think that they would be a little out of their depth, but they were, well, I think it was, I think it was Dom. That,
0: yeah. Dom, t- I think Dom tweeted this some point to the year. It's like, like, Bolton, like one of these teams looks like well-drilled and has a plan and it's Bolton. It's not Wednesday. I think that was generally, like they're not good. It's the main problem. Like, like so many teams in this league, they really do not have any. Well, there are no good teams in this league. It's league one. Yeah. Like like they can't fit their, their final, their play in the final third is awful. Because if you have a player that can impose their will in the final third, they get snapped up by a championship or a high level team very quickly. I think it's part of it. But yeah, I mean they had chances and didn't really finish. You know, we were a little sloppy. You know, Kieran Lee put himself about and created some chances, but nothing really really came of it because their you know, their finishing or their final ball was worse than Wednesdays in a lot of cases. And that's gonna happen most weeks and some weeks Wednesday will win and some weeks they'll draw and some weeks they'll lose. And we'll just keep on and see where they are Christmas. I
2: like that forward. Was it Affalion? I, yeah, I yeah. think I I said that he would uh I wanted to see him in the preview. I talked about how he would look. I, I thought he was very effective. I mean, he didn't, well, I shouldn't even say effective, but he was very noticeable. He, he, you know, he, he was very involved with play and, and, you know, kept, kept our defense working. So, you know, I, I, I thought they were solid, um, but yeah,
0: they're in the same, we got to be better of, than that. We right. got to be better than that. They're <laughs> in the same kind of mix of, you know, fringe playoff teams that, <laughs> Wednesday are. right now, we'll see, like Yeah, we'll clubs. see where they are, and yeah, I did not think they were the best team that Wednesday had played this year, but they were far from the worst. Put that uh, just to actually wrap up this segment in the manner that we normally do. Uh, Patty, do you have a thumbs down?
1: Well, I'm going to give my thumbs down to Bolton because I thought like, you saying the one of the best teams we played. I, I did I not say that.
0: I said they were not one of the worst teams we played. <laughs> <laughs> Fine.
1: I I, I genuinely was disappointed. I was commenting that they uh playing one nil down, they really were they really were in a great rush were they. They were, they were they looked tired after like the 70th minute. They were just lumping it forward a little bit. Uh it looked like for time they were time wasting to ages take a throw in, ages to take free kicks. Um they had no urgency about them all. The manager Ian Everts, was hilarious at the end of the. Oh yeah, the, uh, the post okay. game. Yeah. I was, was
0: going to mention the post game. Like we loaned Wednesday three points. They weren't that good. Come on. They were. They weren't that good at all. They were not
1: good. Uh, so many loose balls. So many like crosses. That he said, he said or I or should
0: have been sent should have been sent off. Like or if I shouldn't have gotten a yellow card. There were no whistles for the entire game, and he just like runs into a guy after losing possession, and it's a yellow card. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought
2: they. I mean, they had they had almost two hundred more passes than us,
0: right? Yeah, well, they they do. They they, they had
2: twice, no doubt, no doubt, right? It's a league one team. And and to Jeff's point, they didn't have. um, I I like that dude Dapo there, uh, a, a violin or whatever, however you pronounce it. I I thought he was good, but he didn't. They didn't really threaten, except for a few you know scrappy plays with the balls bouncing around. You never quite know who's gonna who's going to get a look at it. Um, But they did, they held the ball on us and they moved the ball around on us and they didn't let us do anything. When, when we tried to have the ball, they just pressured us into getting rid of it. So
1: and you, I mean, you know the centre of that I think Kieran Lee had a good game. Uh, I'm glad that he didn't really completely undo us. I think Kieran Lee <laughs> no. sh- showed us. Kieran Lee had us- exactly
0: as good a game as you would want Kieran Lee to have as a Wednesday fan. Yeah, it was the <laughs> yeah.
1: perfect Kieran Lee opposition game we could ask for. He was fantastic to look, look at and watch and admire what we miss in that Kieran yeah. Lee kind of role. Like Cra he just finds space. Yeah. He's one of the most yeah. intelligent midfielders I've ever seen play football. He really can't run. He really, really, can't, run, like, he really can't
0: run anymore either. Like it, it is sort of peak Wednesday seasons, he was just a you know, a high stamina engine that would just go, 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 go. And like he never had amazing pace, but he certainly had enough pace. And now he's just kind of he's got like Ross Wallace pace, but he also has the uh, <laughs> Ross Wallace now, so it's okay.
1: It is that yeah. Teddy Sheringham. The yeah. first pace is in your head. The first, mm. uh, well, Sheringham was uh, was lauded for being a slow striker, uh, especially in the last few years of his career. He's the Teddy Sheringham of a midfield in League One. He he's got that extra pace <laughs> in his compliment. head. What a compliment! Ah, look, I'm digging out the compliments there. Yeah. But, uh, he's got extra pace in his head. He will ghost into it, the 18-yard box, and you won't know he's there he just finds space wherever he goes and it was lovely to watch him again yeah i'm glad that tw- I think it was towards the end of the game where yeah. he-, he had a little opportunity in 18-yard box uh and he just couldn't uh find a way forward uh, and it was lovely that we got the win one nil and we could party him off without him killing us <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that, that was wasn't that really nice at the end of the game when he yeah. was like he was wandering around talking. So you saw him talking to Hutch and you saw him talking to Palmer, or was Hutch had been off, but he was talking to Palmer and he was talking to some guys. So I'm like, oh, he played with them, but he was also talking with some of the younger guys. And he mentioned afterwards um, how nice it was to see some of the younger guys. I kind of And what do you mean? And, and he had talked about, you know, seeing them when they were coming up through the youth ranks or seeing people like that. And it just, you know, you can tell that he, you know, much like we talked about, um, you know, Samedo last week um, in, in his unfortunate circumstances, the way that sometimes a player connects with a club. You know, it's obvious that Kieran Lee connected and, and resonated with us, but it, it's clear that, that the club and us resonated with him as well. And it was really it was nice to see. It was nice to see after the game. Good scenes.
0: And right, that wraps up the Bolton game. We'll take a break. When we come back. We will interview the original New Orleans Owl. As you probably know by now, four years into this podcast, Owls Americas has a very vibrant fan community in New Orleans. However, our next guest did not know that. Chris, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> it's an honor to be here, guys.
1: <laughs> how you doing, Chris? Uh, so let's let's start with the story. Um, you're a New Orleans owl, uh, but a new New Orleans owl in some respects, but also in some respects, the original New Orleans owl.
3: I like that. Yeah.
1: Um, so let's let's start first of all how you became a Wednesday fan.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So it's a funny story. So no real rhyme or reason when I was about 13 years old. So I always played soccer in middle school, high school, and in college. And when I was 13 and looking for a club, because all my buddies were in, uh, their kind of, uh, I don't, what, what did we call it? Like premier soccer. Uh, they followed Arsenal and Liverpool. And I was like, man, I want to have a team that I support. So I went to my ESPN homepage, and looked up the top soccer teams that they had you could that you could list as your favorite team and i didn't know half of them like i didn't know who any i knew chelsea and liverpool and but i didn't know
1: watford or what year was this when was this when you're looking at This was
3: probably i was probably 2008 2009 um the
1: so, one she, went, not
3: so they were like one of the only teams on this list that was like uh, a championship team or a league one team you know i saw so maybe they put them in there because they had a lot of history i don't know but i saw the name on the drag down list of like 30 teams i was like oh my god this is the coolest name ever i'm gonna be a sheffield wednesday fan and so then you know i always i was always the kid that played madden and fifa and stuff like that so i would always play fifa and my friends would play. Liverpool and Arsenal and I remember my favorite player for the first three years was just Stevie May who (laughs) has has no history at all really with with Sheffield Wednesday but he's just the striker I played with on FIFA you know 13 or FIFA 14 whatever year it was when I started playing um but you know that got me running and like all throughout high school all throughout college I would follow I'd look every game to see how they were doing um and would get so stoked and I didn't really have an I didn't know about I follow I don't know how soon I follow came out but I would just—I I couldn't watch the games because I didn't have the possibility to. But I would always look at Twitter and ESPN to see how they were doing. Um, and it's not until recently that I've been able to find a community and um, get in with I follow, so I could watch the games like religiously. So uh, it started weird, but it's gotten fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you picked a good time to start watching the team. Clearly, like <laughs> yeah, right. Just mere mere Twitter descriptions of a. You know, stultifying 1 0 win is yeah, going yeah, right. to uh, really get you the full color of the Sheffield Wednesday fan experience. Yeah. So, uh, how did you find Jamie and his motley crew down in New Orleans?
3: Yeah. And, and equally entertaining story. So, <laughs> I, uh, I was at the bar, Finn McCool's, with some buddies. We had decided we wanted to go pretty much every Saturday to watch uh, Premier League. And so they're all sitting at the bar and at the tables watching the chelsea and man united city games and i'm sitting in a little corner of the table with my phone watching sheffield wednesday on iFollow, um you know and, and i'm i'm revving them up i'm saying i'm so excited for the season and they're just looking at me like i'm pathetic you know with a phone in a giant bar where there are big screen tvs everywhere but i mean i'm, I'm ride or die owl so i'm there watching it and uh my buddy points to a jersey and he's like did i just see a sheffield wednesday jersey on that guy walking by and i was like no way man that's like there's no way that there's anyone here that has that jersey. So I keep watching. And then he says, no, I think there's a second one. Look, there are two of them at the bar. And I look up and I see two people with Sheffield Wednesday jerseys. And I'm like, I've, li- I've literally ne- never met another Sheffield Wednesday fan in my life. So I, was, I like just get up from my chair and sprint up to the bar. Uh, and I'm like, guys, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Like, this, is, this is unbelievable. Like, how did you guys become Wednesday fans? And they're like. Oh, you, Jamie. Jamie did. And you got to just come see. We, there's, there's a ton of us outside. And I'm like, what? Uh, and he takes me outside. And I look and they're like 30 blue and white jerseys watching Sheffield Wednesday on big I follow TV Well, I just had this little phone. And like, it's amazing. I see all these people. We start talking about Wednesday watching the game. Jamie is like, Chris, here, I got a jersey for you. And he tosses me a jersey. So I'm out there for like 20 minutes. And my friends are probably like, you know, what the heck? I thought you just went to the bathroom. Um, and so I go back in and I'm wearing a Sheffield Wednesday Jersey now. And they're like, dude, what happened to you? So I abandoned my friends that day and met this new community. Um, but I go there every Saturday now with Jamie and the rest of the boys that are there. And, um, we watched the Owls. So it was crazy how I stumbled upon them. I'd been in new Orleans my whole life uh, <laughs> and I'd never heard that there was a Sheffield Wednesday. community. How long has Jamie's
0: been there? Like what? Six or seven years now, Patty. No, I've worn that.
1: Maybe twelve years mm-hmm. because he was here. He was in New York first. Right, he was here before uh, you. That's right. Yeah, uh, and then he left about a year before I came, which was ten years ago, mm-hmm. two years ago. So he—it's funny now. I can take this out of James. He always tells me he's the original New York owl. Chris, yeah. you have to tell him over and over again you are the original <laughs> <No>. <laughs> New Orleans owl because it's gonna Absolutely. really piss him off. Absolutely,
3: <laughs> of, of, of course, of course, of course. I didn't even have to be from Sheffield to do it. I just went on ESPN, man. That's all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: not the what most uh not the most unusual origin yeah. story by far so <laughs> right, what yeah. a group yeah. to
1: find too so you say that um we do you live close you far from is that way you've never been there before this is this se- this is this season by the way so the context is this is this season you found new orleans owls not yeah. like re- yeah. like five years ago you found them this year yeah you, um how did you find him McCools? is that something yeah. recent too i just
3: didn't go there that often i kind of liked just watching because I think part of the why- would you think
0: it. you would run into another like Sheffield? And also, as Patty can attest, you kind of want to watch in the comfort of your own home so you can scream and the dog can run into the couch. <laughs> and, yeah.
3: That's exactly. I, I like just sitting there watching and I like didn't figure there'd be anyone else watching it, um, especially because you need special uh, like programs to buy, like a special I follow to put Sheffield Wednesday on. Yeah. So I didn't think anyone would be watching it or want to watch it. Um, and so it was only like my second time at Finn McCool. So that's why I'd never- run into that group of guys before so it just blew my mind it was pretty crazy
1: so well, clearly you've just discovered new orleans Owls and now you're discovering Americas, and there's other groups around america yeah um so uh what, what has that journey been like uh have your friends now taken Wendy seriously for the first time
3: <laughs> <laughs> every time i talk about it they take them less seriously unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's an, I, I I'm just like the butt of of the joke in my friend group, um, but it makes me love them more because I think about the days when we finally rise from the ashes. I'm not going to be the one that like, oh, I like, you know, Brentford or Leicester now that they're up there. I can be like, I rode with them in the hard divisions, so it's like a pride for me that everyone jokes on me. But uh, I mean, I have a buddy now that that works. With me that I bring every Saturday, and Jamie's trying to get him (laughs) into. He says, "Before long, you're gonna be wearing blue and white too." But yeah, man. I I mean, I love finding these guys. Um, But yeah, and I'm I'm with them through thick and thin. I can't find another team where you have to worry in the 90th minute that your goalie (laughs) would drop a ball in front of him. He keeps the the intensity up the whole way, so you know, I'm loving it.
2: Yeah,
0: it's not a relaxing. Uh, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not. relaxing.
2: No. 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 So, uh, especially not this year.
0: Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the season so far? Uh I believe I haven't I I refuse to look at the table before Christmas as James Marriott would say. Uh, I think they're like one point out of the playoff spots right now, which yeah. you'd like them to have played better to get there, but what are your overall thoughts on the season so far?
3: Yeah. Um this is just crazy to me. I could can- Talk to people about Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> like this is—we're pretty like,
0: tired of it after point. four years. Yeah, with the podcast.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I a had yeah.
2: someone ask Chris
3: on Sheffield Wednesday. Please come on. Yeah,
2: that's—I passed this podcast along to a friend of mine who's a very big soccer fan, but not necessarily a Wednesday fan at all. And he lists. He said it's very good, but it's very esoteric. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, if you're not—you're not in this very niche yeah. group. You're not yeah. going to appreciate it so those of us who do get the opportunity to talk about it with other people we might yeah. have to go around the world to find people but yeah. it's well worth it when we do so yeah. please your, your thoughts yeah
3: <laughs> no absolutely and when uh they got mentioned on ted lasso which i watch religiously <laughs> with my friend circle i was like oh my god <laughs> uh you were yeah, more so- excited about
0: it than the team was clearly yeah
3: <laughs> yeah and what was funny i joke i joke with my buddies about it because uh in the show The hype is like they're at their high point as a team when they're playing Sheffield Wednesday. So it's kind of inevitable that they're going to win against Sheffield Wednesday. I'm like, come on, not even AFC Richmond can beat Sheffield. (laughs) Sheffield Wednesday can't even beat AFC AFC Richmond. It's crazy. Uh, But yeah, I I think uh, I was ecstatic to start the season. Um, I really believed in Darren Moore. I loved the signings that he brought in. Uh, We started great with those uh, clean sheets and it was like really looking up. Um, the thing that worries me, um, is I'm not, I'm not like, I don't think we're in a bad position with personnel, but I still think we have this mindset thing that we just are struggling to fight adversity. And that's been our thing for like the past couple of years. Like every time we go down a goal, um, where people drop their heads, it's like, we completely lose our minds. And that's like infuriating from a fan perspective, because it's like, Everyone wants like the manager out or new players. And it just feels like something that's in the culture of the team right now that I just wish wasn't. And I don't know if it just like takes. We got booted or...
0: halftime again this weekend.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it's just like a run of a run of good luck is what we need. Because I just feel like we've been a little unfortunate and that's kind of dropped our heads.
2: Um, well, we're, we're due. We're due for a run of good luck.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, when was
0: the team's last round of good luck? Yeah.
2: The Inter-Toto Cup? I think
0: 55.
3: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm cautiously optimistic because I think we're definitely underperforming and to be underperforming and still a couple points away from playoffs. I mean, I don't think we're running away with it like it looks like, you know, Sunderland's a force. or I, I wouldn't say we're a force right now, but I think, For a team that's still trying to find its identity. I think every week we've had like a new lineup, which shows that like, we don't even know what our best setup is. So like when we get there and start feeling confident about like not going down, that we don't have to poop ourselves and that we can, you know, come back from defeats. I mean, I think that's a really promising thing. I just, um, yeah, I mean, personally I see them play and like, instead of going forward, they prefer to play through the back and play backwards. And to me that points to like a lack of confidence Um, more than anything else a little bit smoking like a true Yorkshireman.
0: yeah
3: yeah. um so i I think it'll take time i don't know if it's automatic going up this season but i'm cautiously optimistic about the future for us i really like darren moore as a guy i think he can inspire them um i feel i feel decent um we'll see
0: who's been your standout player so far this season
3: uh i i actually was a stoke fan too for a while and loved lee gregory with stoke i love lee gregory
1: uh you should not pick them <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. what have you done in the farm alive to- <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well I was also I was a fan of uh, Stoke and watched them go down and Saito Barahino was like our laughing <laughs> stock and I was like of course of course he comes to Wednesday he's following me everywhere um but uh yeah I really I, I'm a big fan of Damai Myorfa. I love that he's just a physical beast at the back so um and I liked Windass uh before he got injured so I think I think Windas and Nayorfa just signed extensions um, not too long ago. So having them two there makes me feel really confident. Um, I'm like a little unsure about how Barry Bannon's playing. So I'm like not loving that, but uh, I don't know how you pronounce his name. It's either adenerin or Deniran. They, people
0: it's just Dennis before. on this show, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> Patty, Patty refuses to say his last name. It's, it's a oh, Deniran. Yeah. It's not even that hard to pronounce.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he uh Corbino and Chidipo I all like I think they bring like energy to the team but I think in the back uh uh what's his name Iorfa Dom Iorfa and at the top Lee Gregory are like my two homeboys. I love watching them I think they both uh are really promising for our future too
1: I well, mean you've got a surprisingly level headed and optimistic you say for so long chris so it's nice to hear um some optimism and i i'm in your boat. i think most of us in this podcast are pretty level-headed and pretty optimistic about yeah. this season despite despite the uh, what's in front of us despite the years of uh supporting this club
0: yeah. i do feel like uh, the new orleans group in general is more optimistic than the northeast group that must might be to oh yeah. to uh, living in new orleans and the liquor <laughs>
1: <laughs> you need to party lifestyle in new orleans so you've got to be optimistic and, and, and full of it so yeah. It's 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 so good that you you, joined, you found a club. You sound like a great fit for the club too, uh, Chris. Um, it's a shame we you went to where it was last year when we sat off the pandemic uh, in New Orleans <laughs> when we had the Hours of America's uh, national meetup in New Orleans.
2: Yeah, we uh,
1: loved that. That was a fun weekend until the whole world closed down. <laughs>
2: uh, well, it was good we snuck that in. Yeah, we snuck it in. We had one last party in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, you would have seen me blacked out for forty eight hours. <laughs> <It's> good times. <laughs>
0: oh you man. can see that every week on the owls america to me it's
3: just <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, you said that stevie may was one of your um, favorite players because of fifa That's... um in in real life yeah. Uh, over the years um who's been your like favorite player
3: oh uh, um i mean i was so excited in those those years where we were pushing promotion a couple years in a row and we had Carlos as our as our head and uh, For- Fernando Forestieri was my guy. I really liked Fernando Forestieri. And like one of my favorite like Sheffield Wednesday moments was, I actually watched this. I think it was on iFollow or maybe it was like ESPN Plus or whatever. When he had that crazy strike where he turned and just hit it top corner. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was like.
1: That so when uh, he tackled somebody and won it back and then yeah. like, hustled a bit <laughs> and then thought, yeah, I just knocked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. crazy.
3: Yeah, I was such a big fan of his. And when we lost him, I was heartbroken. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's several players that I feel like are Wednesday through and through. Like, I love Hutch still. I uh, Like, I'm such a fan of his. Um, and we had guys that were, like, solid for us for a while. Like, Buxton, I really liked. Palmer's been good. But in terms of, like, I kind of, like, I played midfield in high school and college, and I loved guys who were, like, attacking and could play midfield and up top, too. And so those were the guys I was drawn to. So Fernando Forestieri, all what he could create was really cool for me to watch. So I think he was my favorite player for a while.
1: No, yep, Good choice. No one's going to argue with that. All right. So, all right. So sorry, you have to go on. great, 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 great. I thought you were asleep. You like the head down. No, I no,
0: thought, I was oh, like, I'm stop. paying attention. Patty's like Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey usually leads out, but everybody else jumped in and Patty's like been stepping over me all over this interview.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, you've oh, already said that you don't know if, uh, Automatic promotion is in the cards this year, but we do like to get our guests on the record. Where do Wednesday finish in the table this year?
3: Um, oof, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eighth this year. <laughs> I um, like that.
0: Caution that, that feels cautiously optimistic, which yeah, is sort of I- in the theme of the podcast.
3: Yeah, I think eighth, and I'm looking forward to next year. I think us pushing
2: for also
0: nine. very much mm-hmm. Wednesday. Uh, point more, of view.
2: Chris, more importantly, uh, where do we finish in the pizza cup?
0: Yes, that is more important. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're going all the way. We're going we're going away. Away. Yeah. It's sweet, I love it. I would take, I will take eighth place if we if win the, the pizza, pizza cup. cup. Yeah, 100%. Put, 100%. A,
0: par- put a parade like a, we need a parade, it's a trophy, right? In a Sheffield parade. Of course. Yeah. double-decker uh, bus. buses out. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Party growing. We're all going on a Papa John's tour. A Papa John's <laughs> tour. A Papa John's tour.
3: Yeah. And I mean, you New York people must think Papa John's being a pizza place is a disgrace. We have
1: yeah. recognized it as a pizza yeah. place. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's a great, a great footballing competition with great history and great stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love
0: uh. it. I love it. All right. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. And we will certainly check in with you throughout the season. Yes. Yeah, stay in touch, bud. And enjoy yeah, enjoy the enjoy the whole Jamie experience.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. It's amazing to have uh, such a great community around some team that uh, I've loved now for so many years and not a lot of people know that side of me. And now I have people that I can embrace that, that side of myself with. So it feels like I almost have found a second family. So,
2: I'm really wait till
3: the national meetup yeah that's, that's what i was gonna say so i can't wait until april until we're all in person together doing this may
1: that's gonna I'm be not, amazing yeah, especially yeah. if you went to college in new york to uh to come back to new york uh, mm-hmm. with the new orleans crew they'll be here in force too james already told me that they're only booking flights and stuff yeah. so yeah.
0: <laughs> start, <laughs> start doing squats now I guess strategies. you have to deadlift justin out of a bar <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, it's, I it's, was on my feet the whole week when I was talking remember it. Yeah, <laughs>
3: it's it's so funny just in this other world because I, uh, you know, I'm a youth director in a church by my trade. That's what I do for work. <laughs> Um, and if anyone drove by this bar on a Saturday, they'd see me in a crowd of guys, you know, <laughs> like, wanker. You know, and, uh, I, I have to be cautious, cautious about where I'm at too. But it's, it's like these two worlds that I'm so happy to be in. So I'm honored to be on the podcast. Guys.
0: All right, Bye, man. good to meet you.
3: Yeah, back at you guys.
0: Thanks. All right, be good. Now, it's time for some Wednesday news. And as this is, this is the fourth anniversary of the show, if I'd been particularly uh, industrious, I could have put together a supercut of me telling you that the first note in Wednesday news is Sam Hutchinson is injured. Because <laughs> I'm sure it's not the first time I've said it on this show. Patty.
1: Um. Yeah, it's not good, is it? Uh, it, it looks. It looks to be light. Mm. what I've seen so far um they're expecting to have an update this week uh while we record so maybe people listen to this now know more than we do um but uh him and obviously uh Lewis Gibson Gibson went off at halftime at uh, the second half uh on Saturday uh which was not planned uh, apparently because obviously Gibson came off a halftime against uh
3: Mansfield
1: I want to say Mansfield yeah they, that they was guys, the well, game yes yeah. Yeah, piece of God. Um So I don't know why you needed to go sotto voce there, but <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. I was, it feels like about six months ago. It wasn't. Yeah, it was like enough. two weeks ago. Um, so not good, but uh, hopeful that they will be fit for the weekend. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're struggling in defensive midfield. It's gonna be. A, it's gonna be a spot we struggle the entire, the entire season unless one of those two unpredictable, unfit people of Luongo and what Hutchinson happens to be fair at the same time which seems to be unlikely at the moment
2: there's a outside chance buyers could be available as well I guess he's in training this week I, I don't think it's likely but you know he could fit the good news with both Gibson and Hutch is that especially for them it's muscle injuries <laughs> it's not uh the many already snapped ligaments in Hutchinson's knees happening again. so yeah. um you know we'll We'll see. But yeah, you, you'd prefer to not uh, repeat that uh, well, oft-repeated refrain, Jeff.
0: <laughs> a little bit of news. It is the international break. We're still here because Wednesday now plays to the international break because they're in League One. But there was some Wednesday action at the international break. Uh, and we're going to talk about a goalkeeper and not the one you might think. Uh, Jack Hall got a run out for the under-18. I assume England. You didn't put it in the notes, Patty. England. Yeah. <laughs> the under 18, 18. Yes, kept a clean sheet against Russia.
1: Uh, he came on in the second half. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it was one of those games where they just test everybody out. But I mean, 45 minutes for an under 18, uh, a team which is doing fantastically well in their league. They're um, atop the league, is my understanding. Yeah, they've done fantastically well. Um, I'm not, who's the under 18's manager? It's not, it's not Lee Bullen. Lee Bullen does the under 23s and they're doing terribly. <laughs> um under 18s it was haslam for a while i'm not sure if it's haslam still doing it but anyway um jack hall international debut clean sheet what more do you want
0: i don't know good
2: it's only good for our club right to have internationals
0: <laughs> i want to i don't want to go to stephen i like i'm trying to find out who the under 18 manager is and just asking me to solve a puzzle to see stephen haslam's uh
2: He's listed as Academy Manager on the website. I'm not
0: gonna do that. So. <laughs> I'm not solving let's a puzzle ju- to just see Stephen on LinkedIn page. Yeah.
2: And uh and, and move along. Again, other than John to say, Anderson, uh, it appears to be. Well, no, sorry, that's good the whole that's John sorry, Anderson. that's
0: the whole city and under 18's manager. There's very little information. You think this will be information that will be widely available. But uh, uh, you
2: think our club is going to be media savvy? Yeah and yeah. provide information about things that people care about
0: because mm. i do not <laughs> as we already noted, that they can't capitalize on the ted lasso mention i don't know why i would expect to see the uh sheffield wednesday under 18 manager all right well according to the actual sheffield wednesday academy staff profiles there's a lot of people here Again, we should just
2: plead ignorance and move on. You know they
0: have an analyst? Mm-hmm.
2: They do. They've had They're, a couple. They have an like, academy yeah, we should analyst, get somebody yeah. on here. But
0: it's a good idea. We should get that's, the head that's for of, the off
2: season
0: or... I mean, we're clearly yeah. already struggling for content in season if we're <laughs> scanning the uh, yeah. All right. Well uh take it away, Justin.
2: <laughs> yeah, how'd we end up there? Um Two games this week, I'm glad to remember to do both. What what I think will be interesting is that the stories of the managers and therefore the tactics of the two clubs are very similar. So we'll start with Wimbledon. Um, Patty, did you want to do any sort of uh, retro Wimbledon throwback nonsense before we get into the current iteration?
1: I'm very excited about Wimbledon because obviously uh, the last time we played them was 2003, Uh, we uh, we won 4-2 um It was Lloyd got a couple uh, two people I'd never even heard of before. Uh, right now, I feel like I haven't heard of them, but clearly I had at the time. Michael Reddy and Lee
0: Bradbury Scott. This, this is where we really need James because we know that James can identify any Sheffield Wednesday player by their photo. So, well,
1: you say this is, <laughs> this, is this is hilarious. The same person that always comes up in our quizzes, yeah, that often gets mistaken for somebody else, Paul McLaren. Hmm. was in this uh, same team that beat Wimbledon in 2003-4-2. Um, but before that, before we beat them 4-2, uh, we won them 3-0 uh, the time for that. And after that, we played them pretty regularly up until that time, almost every year from like 90... Wow. Right, yeah, yeah, pretty much every year through 80s and 90s. That's why I'm wearing my... Um, 93 show. I right sure people now. can't see I feel it like, yes
0: okay
1: <laughs> like playing wimbledon harks back to the glory days of sheffield mm-hmm. wednesday and i think it's hard not to, to romanticize about that fact um so i really hope that people um i hope people are going down to wimbledon because it's my it's, it's my old hometown at the end of the day i moved from sheffield down to london uh in 2001 uh just as the, well, a few years after, two years before they absolved into MK Dons, uh, <clears throat> they now play very close to where I live. Uh, I'd love to go down and see them play Wednesday uh, in League One, but it's up there in New York, so I can't. I can't do that. Uh, but yeah, it's. I feel like Wimbledon, the Crazy Gang, evokes memories in Wednesday fans. So Justin, tell us about the history of Wimbledon. Tell us about how they got to be who, the, who they are right now versus uh mk donald's
2: <laughs> well yeah so i'll actually i'll, I'll be totally honest when, when i was looking at this preview i decided to really skip over a lot of their history i went back and looked at a lot of their history and you know it wasn't a, a ton to be so i really just focused on um this current iteration which i think as people know it was one of the first um and patty you or you know we should have james i could tell us of another but it was one of the first times a team moved, right? That, that's something that we've been used to in American sport for 60, 70 years at this point. Um, and, you know, it was really kind of shocking uh, to have that happen coming off of what you called the uh, what was known as the crazy gang in the 80s and 90s, probably the most successful period in their history. They won the 88 FA Cup over dirty leads, which is always nice. Um, they, they went from the... Uh, fourth division all the way up to the first division in a matter of like seven or eight years um with guys like uh vinnie jones and dennis wise are the only two guys that i could particularly remember but very direct uh you know english football it was the 80s to, and <laughs> blood and thunder yeah no they they really kind of summed some of that up um, it were
1: everyone's second team We wimbledon have a strong place in the english uh, fans high i believe like they were everyone's team that once they were the ultimate underdog like if you come through all the divisions of english football and get to the premier league and start roughing those premier league like
0: i feel like that's uh, kind of happening weiser. with uh, the brentford right now to an extent as well yeah but it's everything's so professional nowadays yeah i know what you mean uh,
1: yeah 20 odd years ago it wasn't the sky sports premier league you know back then it was the kind 20 of 20 odd years tumble.
0: ago was 2000 patty you have to like go a little bit <laughs> further back than that i'm sorry it's not great it's not ago. great i know pearl jam it, is plastic rock now and it's terrible <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah,
1: but this is, we're talking about like late 90s when um england when wimbledon were uh, playing premier league football yeah, yeah sure um so it was it was a, a shock and they were everyone's underdogs they are, they will and when they Five years later, almost when they when they got took over by this conglomerate, the the, fran- the franchise that moved into Milton Keynes, the most unglamorous place. I couldn't like the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. Why would move a club to win to, to Milton? we we'll, we'll,
2: we'll, co- we'll cover that when we play them later this year, um, for sure. Uh, but brief history of this refurbished club. So, as I think a lot of people know, they they a Phoenix club was created out of the ashes of the move. Um, In June of 2002, and they immediately pushed to start that next season. They held open, literal open tryouts uh, for in in late July to get a team going. So they started in the ninth tier of English football in 2004 uh, or in 2002. Uh, So I'm going to just read through briefly because I thought this was pretty fascinating. They were in the Combined Counties League Premier Division, which is the ninth tier. Moved out of that in 2004 to the Isthmian League First Division in 2005. Patty, can you explain uh, to me
0: what Isthmian? Like, I see the word Isthmian on occasion. What does that actually mean? I don't fucking
1: know. <laughs> is it? It's like is an insurance company?
2: <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so they moved from that first division to the Isthmian Premier Division. Uh, in 2005 were there for three years 2008 they moved up to the conference south um, immediately got promoted to the conference national which is the uh, fifth tier and in 2011 were promoted to league two where Mm -hmm. they spent five years And in 2016 (sighs) um, they moved up to league one Uh, now in league one they have finished 15th 18th 20th 20th and 19th Um, but Still, for a club that, again, uh, was 17 years ago, was reformed in the Ninth Division. That's a pretty nice show. And if you guys recall from our Shrimps preview, uh, Wimbledon is one of two clubs to have never been relegated, uh, along with uh, Morecambe, as it were. Uh, Patty, Never never been relegated. No, not They've since never been rel- They've been oh,
0: dissolved, yeah. but they've never no. been <laughs> relegated. Yeah.
2: That's
1: obviously not included in the previous Wimbledon. You're about the new Wimbledon.
2: Exactly. Again, right. I didn't touch the previous Wimbledon at all. Okay. Um, I know where I stand on this matter, and it's not in Milton Keynes, but <laughs> let's go by. No one so stands in Milton Keynes. So. No. no. Just
1: go around and round in circles all the time so uh, I, i've, I've got Justin. sorry i found Please. out what is i found what is the i have also means. found what
0: is me we both i think we both <laughs> probably googled Isthmian league patty did get his oh, hand sorry. up first so go ahead patty
1: the name is derived from the fact that the geographical location of most of the clubs participating describe an isthmus of land around london and southeast england i don't know what an isthmus is but i'm now going to google that too
2: it's the i believe it's the it's a strip of land surrounded by water on both sides so if you start almost like a bridge of land between bodies of water now look that up and see how inaccurate i am but uh like yeah, for example in madison be... wisconsin is an isthmus
0: Okay, Isthmus is a narrow strip of land with sea on either side, forming a link between two larger areas of land. So, yeah, it's a bridge of land. <laughs> why would you define Damn, a league
1: around that? <laughs> I don't know.
2: True. Good point. Good point. Um, so their nickname is the Dons, understandably. But, Patty, I also found that their nickname is the Wombles. Please tell our American <laughs> listeners why.
0: This is a
1: subject I am an
2: expert on. I'm Who are the wumbles? The Wombles. Not are, an, expert uh,
0: uh, is <laughs> is an expert on isthmuses. He's an expert on wumbles. Patty Jones. We go- each we each bring our strengths. Yes, yes. I
1: don't have to Google wumbles. This is good. Uh, the wumbles of Wimbledon. Common are we? Um, so <laughs> they are a children's television product um, that was probably the first and foremost uh, recycling green. Uh, program initiative of the entire generation. So this is like 70s, I think, 70s and 80s. They were like a puppet type Muppet show.
2: They were Muppets, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, and they had characters like Uncle Bulgaria. I don't know why it was called <laughs> Uncle Bulgaria. Uh, but they used to live in Wimbledon Common. So Wimbledon Common is obviously a, is a park in Wimbledon. Uh, and they used to um, like... Take the trash people put on in common, make things out of it, and it was that was a children's TV show. And Wumble's kind of like a. I'm trying to describe Wumble to you. I'm pretty sure he's a fictional fictional animal. Yeah, uh, it's a little. I've had a
2: few whiskers at nose.
1: I've never a seen a Wumble in real life. I'm pretty sure it's a fictional thing. It's kind of some, a. It's kind of like a. I want to say a rodent of some sort. A rodent of some sort. Yeah, good. Thank you for that. Rodent with no whiskers. Um, they all they often wear uh, recycled vintage clothing. If, if you were seeing the Wombles <laughs> out in Brooklyn, you would not think anything strange. You would think they're just hipsters. Uh, they're the first Ugly hipsters. hipsters. They're the first hipsters of the generation. Rodent hipsters is why I describe Wombles essentially, and um, <laughs> that's what Wimbledon is known for, other than tennis and a uh, crazy gang football team.
2: I won't remember this, but dear God, I need to refer to them as the Wombles every time I. Uh, <sighs> Think of them after that. Well, so this this current squad that we're gonna see on Saturday is sitting in 15, three wins, four draws, four losses, uh, 17 goals four and 19 against. They started off scoring a bundle of goals and they've kind of settled down. They've lost three or four in the league, so they're not really in great form. Um, now again, remember I said very similar to Cambridge in the backstory. So the manager is a guy named Mark Robinson, who joined the Youth Academy as an under nine coach in 2004 and was involved with the Youth Academy from under nine up for the last 17 years. Uh, It finally fell on him to be a caretaker manager last February when they were uh, in relegation places and he kept them up. So they gave him a gig. This is his first ever job. Um, He is a big believer in uh, the modern 433, Uh, possession, uh, quick, exciting attack, and he's very into being aggressive and attacking. Uh, Loves a high press, um, you know, really tries to go for it. He has, um, just trying to look and read and learn a little bit more about what we see. They look unlike, say, our 4-3-3, where we get width through our fullbacks. It looks like they tend to keep their back four Uh, fairly flat and and all the way back um so uh, that's how they kind of cover defense rather than having a central midfielder slide in instead um interestingly enough they're also quite good at free kicks Their tied for leading scorer is will nightingale one of their center backs who has three goals all on headers um and ben hennigan is their other center back who only has one goal but has all of the aerial dual wins and clearances. Um, so, th- you know, we're not going to get them going through the, uh, through the air. They really rotate their attacking three in the 4 2 3 one. Um, the, the lone forward is going to either be Ollie Palmer or Aaron Presley. Palmer's a 29-year-old, Presley's a 19-year-old. Their production's roughly the same, um, although uh, Palmer's rating is a little higher. Again, whatever you consider those ratings. Uh, But the three behind them are going to be some combination, I would assume, of uh, Ayub Asal, who's a 19-year-old. Luke McCormick, uh, who's a 22-year-old with two goals and three assists. He'll likely be in the middle. And and a kid named Jack Rudoni, who's uh, 20, he's got three goals. Um, Alex Woodyard and Anthony Hartigan are their central midfielders. Woodyard seems to be the more of the stay-at-home, cover the back four. And Hartigan is the guy who makes things happen with three assists so um not dissimilar to bolton and uh you know several other teams we've seen we're looking at a team that wants to possess the ball on the ground uh move it through short passes um, try to get it up front to somebody to make something happen so that's what we're dealing with on wimbledon thoughts gentlemen
1: I am more obsessed by Wimbledon's fact that they are sponsored by Cherry Red Records, uh, which... Uh, of course you are. Because, first of all, I love Wimbledon. It was very close to my heart when I grew up in, in London. Um, but Cherry Red Records are a great independent record label. They specialize in, like, 80s, like, punk and alternative. So you've got, like, Howard nice. Jones and 10CC and, like, everything but the girl on their label they're, they're all there. all sorts
2: of shit americans have never heard of
1: yeah it's, it's it's the best of 80s british pop and uh punk rock uh so they they even sponsor a stand they sponsor the shirt they sponsor the stand too. the Cherry Red Records oh, awesome. stand in plow in plow lane um yeah so if you're a music fan oh the cult got loads of shit um check out cherry records if you're uh, a music fan too
2: Yeah, and I I did forget to mention they currently play in Plough Lane, but it's a new Plough Lane where they had uh, their original Plough Lane they had lost, and that was part of the reason they moved. They were uh, ground-sharing with uh, Crystal Palace for a while, which was part of the reason that they had lower attendances which were used to justify the move. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily fair, as as the older Plough Lane was kind of an iconic British stadium. The new one doesn't appear to be... Much special, but it is a, a you know kind of League One, uh, smaller. Uh, you know it'll get it'll get loud, and and again, bless them for having their own home uh, to play in front of their own fans. That's it's well deserved.
0: We need more of this. I feel like I, I have a uh, Los Campesinos Walton Rovers shirt, and now I'm wondering why. Uh, can we get like two tone records to sponsor like the Coventry City <laughs> shirt? i feel like habit? that's happened i feel like yeah, something's happened
1: habit. between two tone and coventry before yeah. certainly i uh so banquet records in kingston which i used to it was my local record store in kingston which is a fantastic record store uh they sponsored um wimbledon i think when they were just start they were playing in kingston mm. for the first few years when they started in the, the lower leagues um i'm pretty sure banquet was a sponsor then too uh and obviously you've got like bands like super fairy animals sponsoring uh Cardiff City back in the 90s. Even um, multiple instances of this, and I love it. If anyone can like send us more uh, references of record labels and bands sponsoring football clubs, I, I love that shit.
0: All right, We move from there to Cambridge, we're speaking of music. I think the last time I was in Cambridge was to see like the new pornographers, in Bell and Sebastian, at the Sinclair or something, but. I see. It's not actually true. I watched. Uh, that a, would be I, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah, Smiled yeah. Hans. Yes, I watched a I watched a Wednesday game at the Phoenix Landing a few years ago. I was place, I was there for Saber seminar at BU. That's the my place I could see the game. Uh, that's
2: right. I was out of town for some reason. Yeah. You and I, you and I, touched base, but we couldn't. Yeah. Uh, couldn't make it work. Um, well, anyway, the Cambridge on the other side of the pond. So if you guys remember uh, from just a moment ago when I mentioned that Wimbledon was fifteenth at three four and four with a minus two goal difference uh cambridge is 16th at three four and three with a minus two goal difference um so cambridge is cambridge united is known as the U's, which is fucking stupid like i really don't understand that at all and i can't imagine tying somebody like who do you root for i root for the U's. like it's just it's not good it's not a good start You gotta do it in the joe pesci down.
0: from uh, my cousin Vinny, the two youths we're for the Utes.
2: Uh, I'm a Utes fan. I'll leave that to any New Jersey types to uh, take care of that. Uh, so they were formed in 1912 as Abbey United, uh, became Cambridge United in 1951, and finally joined the English Football League. Were promoted to it in 1970. Uh, they have gotten as high as the second division at times, um, and it even bounced back down to the non-leagues in uh, 2005, but. Came back to the English Football League in 2014, and that, my friends, is everything exciting there is to know about Cambridge United Football. Uh, not a club we need to give a fuck about. That said, uh, the current squad, as I said, sitting in 16, uh, mediocre. They seem to be like much the league. And if you again recall how I described Wimbledon, well, Cambridge's manager is named Mark Bonner, who got his start in the academy in 2011. Uh, randomly joined the first team staff in 2018 and was named interim manager in 2020, at which point that's his first job. And he was then granted the head job after being successful. Guess what? He likes to play a four, three, three. that will often express itself as a four, two, three, one. Now that said, well, in league two, they were a lot more free-flowing and offensive, moving the ball around. People were very pleased with that. So far this year, well, they've been up. Um, they've taken that 433 shape and really tend to play it more as a 451. Um, sitting people back. Occasionally it looks like a 422 or a 442, which would, if you wanted to be nitpicky about it, uh, could be a 4411. Um, which leads me to a quick side note that uh, there's a great video on YouTube where Marcelo Bielsa lists the 29 different formations that every player should attempt going up. Uh, and it really gives you an idea of how you can say four three three, but there are, you know, nine or ten variations of it. So what, what they've been playing this year mostly is a 4-5-1 um, and there's been some controversy because Bonner has tried to switch to a 4-4-2 at times, which the fans don't like it, uh, blah, blah, blah. Point is, they're a little more reserved than we've seen in the past. The one name that everybody will probably recognize on the squad, and he should be back and healthy, is uh, everybody's favorite Irish attacking midfielder, Wes Houlihan, uh, formerly well-known with Norwich City. West signed a deal with Cambridge as a 38-year-old in League Two. And kicked ass in league two because he's a really good footballer. Form his temporary classes forever, even at 38. Um, he's a
0: 39-year-old in league one. So. <laughs>
2: now he's a 39-year-old in league one, but he does have four assists in limited time. He missed about three weeks um, with doing it. So when he's in there, they can alter that formation to have the four, two, three, one with him as the central attacking midfielder, because you've got to uh two midfielders to back him up because Wes Hulahan, 39 year old Wes Hulahan is not going box to box. Uh, that's just not what we're I seeing. guess as a 39
0: year old, uh, I have not been able to be a box to box midfielder in a while. So uh, yeah. No,
2: no, it's not. Uh, it's not happening. Um, interesting players of note, aside from Hulahan, they've got a center forward. <laughs> This, this guy should play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. His name is Joe Ironside, and he's got five goals for them. Uh, so he's the guy up front. God, we're uh, fucking
0: in League One, aren't we? Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly uh, it. Joe, facing a striker Joe called
0: Joe Ironside who has scored five goals. Yeah, a, uh,
2: <laughs> that, is, that is it. And uh, I guess recently another uh, central midfielder who, depending on their formation, is probably an attacking midfielder, is it? A guy by the name of Adam May, who uh, is a young, younger guy, uh, 23. He, he's popped up recently with a couple of goals, as well as a man named Shiloh Tracy, who's another 23-year-old attacking midfielder. So they are able to get uh, they are able to get some pressure up the middle now, which is helpful for them because up until the last few games, they've really been a team that tries to get it down the wings and lump it in the middle to... Joe Ironside, in hopes that he will uh, <laughs> Sorry. bang it in and finish it off. Um, but, my, uh... I mean, my thought my thought coming out of these two previews is mm. it's two games on the road. Uh, I mean, it's League One. We're inconsistent as hell. We don't know what our lineup's going to look like. Blah, 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 blah. This is four to six points. It has to be. Yeah. I like, think that's right. This is four to six points.
0: Uh, Patty, do you have any thoughts on the, Cambridge-Oxford Wait, thought well, 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 the Cambridge, Cambridge Ox- Oxford Derby? Wait. Is thing? Well, Cambridge and Oxford, they're rivals, right?
1: Yes, true. But yeah. I, I wasn't planning to have a thoughts on those like, two teams. Is that-
0: <laughs> so <laughs> you didn't have plan on having thoughts on the team Wednesday just played or the team they're going to play next week?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Southern Ponce. Yeah bullshit to universities. Is that like a thing? <laughs> um, like, like, I know it's like university they, town. They're more into rowing. But, yeah, I mean, they're they jokes about rowing, yeah. Yeah, the rowing is the main uh, derby there. I don't think it was shit about football. Right. That uh, says a
2: lot, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I did find one connection between Cambridge. I mean, they are the most dull team I've ever <laughs> in my entire life. I found one connection between... More uh, than Reading? Yeah, I feel like we've got more in common with yeah. Reading than we have in Cambridge. Like... So I found, I was looking through the Wikipedia page, that literally at the bottom of their staff is a guy called Barry Corr. And uh, Barry Corr might be the most uh, Yorkshire name you've ever heard of. But Barry Corr is a development coach for for um, Cambridge United. And I was like, that sounds familiar. Corr. core is a very uh, interesting second name. Star- Barry Corr. C-O-R-R. Barry Corr played for Sheffield Wednesday. Two thousand and five, two thousand
0: and seven. How the glory! Seventeen
1: appearances. He was a striker. Scored zero goals. (laughs) I remember him. He he was he had a shaven head. He was not good. He was not in a good time in our our career. But I that is the only (laughs) that is the only time I can recall uh, a connection with Cambridge United and um,
0: Sheffield Wednesday. Paddy, where can people watch? The Cambridge United and/or the Wimbledon games.
1: They're both an iFollow Jeff, so you can watch it wherever you want to mm. on uh, streaming. Do we have we any meetups
0: have... for these games? Yeah, Patty. I'm getting
1: there. I'm getting there. Uh, we have meetups. I wanted to tell people. I mean, there's like 20 people that can go to New Orleans and New York to watch mm. the meetups in New Orleans. Marcus. Um yes, we have two meetups this week uh, in New York and in New Orleans. Uh, you heard from Chris earlier on in New Orleans. Go and meet those guys there. in pin McCool's uh, in New York. You can meet us at Football Factory.
0: Uh, <laughs> you, had a, you had a special request for the uh, Football Factory meetup, as I recall as well.
1: Yes. I'm wearing the retro 93-94 shirt. If you're in New York, come down to the Football Factory and wear your pre-2003 shirts. That was the last time we played Wimbledon. So anything before... 2003, we will give you extra points for, and um, points mean <laughs> pints in Jack's terms.
0: <laughs> this has been episode 152 of the Owls Americas. You can find us on the internet, owlsamericas.com, email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com, and find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast, Intro and Bumpers, by fellow Wednesday for the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean. Probably anywhere else you choose to download a podcast. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. When you choose to consume the Owls of cast we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at New England Owl. Justin, what was your favorite bar in Cambridge?
2: Uh, probably the field, hmm. uh, which unfortunately closed down. That's where I watched most of my footy because the Phoenix landing would would fill up too much and it was also either a man you or liverpool crowd in there and both of those groups make me violently ill
0: (laughs) patty is on twitter at patty a jones and at new york alice patty i found the uh two-tone records coventry city kit i'm going to hold it up to my webcam and get your thoughts
1: uh so much better just play just do the whole checks Want yeah. more, you want more checks? I want full black and white. You want the full they, black they just, and white check, yeah. Yeah. Or like a, like a, what's it called? Harlequin. Check. I, want, I want a Harlequin.
0: All right. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. I actually like this kit a lot, but I might just buy another Los Campesinos Walton Rovers kit before next week.